Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars Live. From the beautiful Clarkstown, New York. How's everybody doing tonight? And I think there's just going to be an audio podcast tonight. We're having issues with video. So, anyway. I don't know why it's not going on. I have no idea, but we'll see. So what's going on out there tonight? How's everybody doing? Ay, 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 ay. You think everything's going good. And then all of a sudden everything goes kablooey here. All right. You know what? During one of the commercial breaks, we'll switch to video. No problem here. I think I could be able to fix it. So, uh, how's everybody doing? I mean, it's Wednesday now. I keep on saying it's Thursday. We couldn't make it online last night. And hold on. It may be working now. Uh, Start. And it's recording. And it's going to stream. Let's see if it streams. Yes. Hold on. Here it is. Give me a second, guys. Okay, here it goes. All right, so this is going to be going on to video. So what are we? Uh, I want to give first. I want to give a big shout out to the Safety Sage, the Safety Mystic Jay Allen on the Rated R Safety Show this morning had some very kind words for me and this show. So uh, Jay, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we're probably going to be making a promo out of that. Uh, what else is going on? A lot going on out there today. Uh, we got a lot of news. We really haven't gone into the news a lot, so we're going to start out with OSHA news and views. And uh, let me uh, point out, uh, again, uh, if you're on the video portion of this, you're coming in a little bit late because we had some uh, broadcast issues going on here, uh, but not going on, is that everything that we say here is uh, off of, especially with uh, fines, with citations, with crime, litigation, everything. Everyone's innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. 
and uh, you know, uh, all this stuff gets litigated, vacated, and everything else out there. So uh, we're just going off of what the news is today. May change tomorrow. May have issues. You know, you know how things are uh, with things. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk today about uh, basically news and views. And uh, we may get into some other stuff, but uh, it's basically what we're talking about, uh, some of the big stories out there. So we're going to go right to the OSHA press releases here with the news. So uh, for whatever reason, they've been not issuing as many press releases the last couple of weeks. Someone must be on vacation or something. I hope that's what the situation is and nothing bad happened to anyone. So, uh, Lubbock Mayor, this is from uh, today, uh, yesterday, May 23rd, 2023. This was issued uh, late last night, af- late last night. Uh, we were here on Monday, not yesterday. But here we have uh, participants. Mayor Lu- Lubbock, Mayor Payne recognizes Digging Deep in Lubbock Workshop 2023. This workshop to teach excavators, homeowners safety when digging trenches and excavations. This was uh, done in the city of Lubbock, Texas. Here you go. On May 23rd, 2023, the city of Lubbock presented the U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA and the Damage Prevention Council of Texas with a proclamation to recognize May 23rd to 24th as deep in Lubbock Workshop 2023 days. Delivered by Mayor Trey Payne during the Digging Deep activities held at the Civic Center in Lubbock, the proclamation will raise awareness about trenching and excavation safety to different subcontractors, city employees, and private companies. The activities included instruction on how to work safely around trenches and excavations because that's we've been having a lot of those situations lately. Uh, at least... Uh, and you, the big thing is, you got to call eight one one at least three days in advance for an excavation uh, project. That's in Texas. Your state may differ on that. Uh, what I found out uh, when some of the houses that I've worked on uh, outside of work, especially if you know the home previous homeowner was a do-it-yourself person, things are out there that. Uh, not on, you know, you may think, oh, well, we're going to go out and we're going to plant a tree. And, oh, you know, what that tree or that bush is going to look really nice next to that, that uh, whatever. And you have an outdoor uh, light outside. So what do people do? Oh, you start digging and before you know it, oh, hey, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You start getting a pick or an axe and you start whacking the ground. And before you know it, you get electrocuted or you suffer a line or something like that. Back in day, back in the day, and when I say back in the day, it could be uh, uh, no twenty years ago, thirty years ago. It was very common activity, especially for do-it-yourselfers, to do a direct burial underground. Where what they would do is they dig a trench, have run wire, don't put it in conduit or anything, and then bury it and everything, and don't call the building inspector to look at things or anything like that. And then before you know it. There's a problem. I know somebody in Seawarren, New Jersey, who bought a house. House is in phenomenal shape. He said, man, this is great. I don't have to do anything in the house. And guess what? The garage is already wired. 
So he went, uh, the building, the, uh, uh, for the mortgage, the homeowner inspection came in. They start looking and says, okay, look, where's this house is hooked up? They go in the basement, they look, and the garage was hooked up through a 110 outlet. And the uh, basement ran uh, through a penetration through the wall, uh, underground, into the garage. And it was like an extension cord. Wow. Well, guess what? They got some that had to be fixed. So it was like the first thing that they had fixed. And it's primarily with electrical I see this happening. Uh, with gas, uh, what happens is, uh, and it happened to a family member of mine, they needed a sewer line replaced. What do you think happened? I wasn't home. I made sure I wasn't home when this happened. Uh, but uh, I said, you called 811, guys? Yeah, we called 811. We know where everything is. Blah, blah, blah. They hit the uh, uh, gas line for the house twice. Not once, twice. Then they hit it a third time, and the uh, city issued a stop work order. It was great. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> Pardon my French. I know. I was told I got to watch on profanity here. But you can't make this up. It's like, Jim, these stories that you tell, how could they be true? They are true, every one of them. I might change a little detail here or there, but they're all true. Uh, and that, stuff like that happens. Very rarely do you find something worth any value in uh, this stuff, right? And, uh, do, you know, digging things around and everything else. Uh, very rarely. You know, you would think, oh, we're going to bury treasure. I remember, uh, what well, well what toddlers do. I go looking at uh, my hobby collection for coins. Right? I have a couple of uh, 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 dollars in there, like the ro uh, the uh, uh, old $1 coins, the Eisenhower dollars, right? The big ones. Right? I have them in a, and everything. One day I, they're on my desk. And then one day they're not there. And I'm like, where the heck are they? I, and my son was too. He, went, he buried him in the backyard and was digging for buried treasure, pretending he found buried treasure. Thank God I found all the coins. I thought they were worth anything, more than face value, but, you know, it's the thing. Uh, creativity there, the kids burying treasure. That normally doesn't happen uh, out there. Every once in a while, you know, you talk to people with metal detectors, they find stuff, but anyway. That's what's going on out there uh, with that. So their uh, excavations, very important out there. U.S. Department of Labor offers a webinar for grantee applicants for federal grants to increase workplace safety training programs. And this was today. And uh, keep your eye on the lookout for that. Uh, there was a webinar. Uh, let's see. Do we have a thing? No. Registration is closed. Why do they issue this the day of, you know? Or the day before? So this just tells you, you just got to keep checking the website. They have a link on the news section to uh, uh, materials with the Susan Harwood grants. Goes to show you got to read this. U.S. Department of Labor announces more than $12 million in grant funding available for worker safety and health and safety grants. The U.S. Department of Labor today announced the availability of more than $12.7 million in funding to make more good jobs available in, to the U.S. workforce by supporting training activities and training initiatives designed to promote safety and health in the nature and workplace. This is related to the previous one. Administered by the department's OSHA, the Susan Harwood Training Grant Program includes funding opportunities for targeted 
pardon me, I got here at Targeted Topic Training, training education for materials development and new capacity building training grants for nonprofit organizations. Now, if you go, uh, if you go uh, uh, and look under the Susan Harwood program here, uh, all of the, the training materials are there for free and it's they're non-copyrighted, most of them. So if you're looking for chief training materials, they're there. Uh, they're having another webinar on May 25th. That's tomorrow from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern's uh, Standard Time, or EDT, right, this time of year. Uh, and you could need to register for the webinar. Uh, so if you want to grant, uh, I mean, there's good things and bad things about a grant with that. Uh, so you're not making money per se unless you do it through the grant. You're, you're able to pay people. Uh, depending on how that is and how that's set up. But, uh, uh, you know, it's mainly for uh, NGOs, and uh, uh, NGOs are not usually not for-profit things. But I'm, I'm not, you know, on that end. Nine, now, we haven't heard from them. And I was wondering, man, I haven't heard from them in a month. Anything about them. And again, they are innocent until proven guilty. Nine inspections, right? This is from May 23rd, yesterday. Nine inspections in four states find Dollar General exposed workers to obstructed exits, fire, electrical hazards, and $3.4 million in proposed new penalties. Since 2017, there has been more than $21 million in proposed fines for a national, for this national retailer, Dollar General, after 240 inspections. My question is this. Did they piss somebody off? Is there something else going on here? What's the inside uh, story here on all of this? I don't think so. I, that's not the way OSHA normally works. That's not the way they work, period, as far as I know. But... Uh, these are all very low, what we call low-gravity things, usually. Obstructed exits, fire, electrical hazards. Okay, guess what? They're, you know, an obstructed exit, fire, or in an emergency, that could be, I mean, that's a serious thing. Someone could die over something like that, right? Uh, blocked exits. People have died. Uh, the Triangle Shirt Waste, uh, Triangle Shirt uh, Factory Fire, one of the most famous uh, uh Accidents and workplace history in the United States. I mean, that was all blocked exits and locked doors and things of that nature. So it, it happens. So here it is. OSHA inspections uh, at Dollar General stores commonly find aisles, emergency exits, fire extinguishers, and electrical panels blocked by stored merchandise and other materials and boxes stacked unsafely. These conditions expose employees to fire, electrical, and struck by and other hazards in violation of federal law and regulations. So we have one in Enfield, uh, Maine. And we have, okay, I've been to Enfield, Maine. Nice little town. So here we go. You gotta love it. I know a certain way. Here we have 1910.22. The employer did not ensure that all places of employment, passageways, storerooms, service rooms, and walking and working surfaces are kept in a clean, orderly, or sanitary condition. And they have, I mean, they went into detail on this one. Uh, 
And they referred to previous repeat violations at other facilities where they cited them for the same thing. And I mean, it went down, it goes all the way down, and they go up until, up down to uh, uh, 2021 on this. So they went back two years with that one. $73,656. Type of violation, repeat serious. 1910.37, exit routes are not kept free and unobstructed. And they did the same thing again. They outlined this here. And you know what? I think this is going to be yanked off the internet. So I am hitting download because uh, they did that a couple of weeks ago uh, with another uh, thing where they released the accident data and it was not very nice to the company. Uh, the whole accident report they released and uh, it was hard with those citations. It was So I think that this is probably going to get yanked off the internet. So run and run and get it. Exit routes are not kept free and unobstructed. With that one, they went all the way back to a whole bunch in 2022. Man, they listed all of the dot violations here. $98,219 for that. Really? Exit routes, right? Again, you have a teenager in there probably or some type of other young adult. Uh, and you think they're going to know any better? No, they're doing what they're told to do or they're doing what they think is right. And guess what? They're working under specific conditions. Now, are you going to blame the employee for this? Or are you going to blame management? Well, the management, usually in my experience, is much older than the uh, employees there. So who do you blame? You blame upper level management on this. And this should not be happening. I'm sorry. Guys, that's my editorial opinion here. The next one. This is just one facility. Portable fire extinguishers were not mounted, located, or identified, so they were readily accessible without subjecting employees to injuries. And again, obstructed things. You want a fire extinguisher? You need to. Have, uh, you need immediate things. Seventy-three thousand six hundred fifty-six. And it goes on and on, blocked exits. And for this one facility here, right? Uh, for this one facility here, uh, they said uh, the date um, uh, that everything must be abated by, uh, they have an, an abatement date of June 20th, and the proposed penalty, if they don't get it, is $2,200. So, Again, I know this is one facility in Maine, $321,000, $321,419 proposed penalties. What's going on here? Really? And they missed uh, another one in North, one, two, three, four, five, six in North Dakota, two in. Uh, one in Ohio, one in Kiwani, Wisconsin. Uh, we're going to save that because I am a member of Wisconsin group here. We're going to go and we're going to go to commercial break here for a couple of minutes and we will come back to you. 
In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA Recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy! Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com And welcome back uh, to the show. I, uh... Just wanted to mention this. This happened this afternoon. Uh, the word was released where Tina Turner, uh, the entertainer, the actress, uh, in one of my favorite movies, Aunt Annie, in Road Warrior, Max, Mad Max, Road Warrior 3, right, with uh, Mel Gibson. I still, I'm uh, one of the jobs, my memories of her. You can read, there's going to be a lot of tributes and everything, but uh, I, I love that movie, Mad Max 3. They played it over and over and over again on uh, cable when we were growing up. Uh, and we, on uh, one project I was on, uh, we were quoting lines uh, with it, and we still quote lines uh, from it on some of the projects. And some people my age, I'm dating myself, get the references, some don't. She played Aunt Annie, the head of a post-apocalyptic uh uh, town uh, in Mad Max 3 beyond Thunderdome. And a lot of the lines in there were funny. No, uh, bust the deal, spin the wheel, right, uh, was one of them. And uh, no, I know the law. I made the law. That's another one. And uh, no, uh, very talented. She's what was. Amazing with her is that she went through with Ike Turner, all the problems and everything. And most of the pop stars of her era, and even in today's era, they hit 40, 45, approaching 50. They ain't popular anymore. Yeah, they may be popular with people like me. You look back at our youth, uh, we were listening to uh, John Bon Jovi's song at uh, uh, establishment this afternoon, and... No, I had my family in there, and I said, you know, uh, John Bon Jovi, he went to my high school for one year, St. Joe's of Metuchen, and he went to Saraville High School. Uh, he transferred out. And uh, no, we had my father's generation had ties with the Bon Jovi family in Bayonne, New Jersey, including uh, uh, Adam Sambora, 
who was Rishi Sambora, the original uh, uh, guitarist, right, who was uh, cousins of John Bon Jovi, uh, he lived in my, uh, my town. My father worked with him for close to 40 years. And I tell you what, uh, you know, once their uh, early 90s, mid-90s hit around, they were started to be like in their 30s, early 40s. They all wanted to raise families and didn't hear from them for years. For, that had to be 15 years. And getting back to Tina Turner, let's circle around. You know, they came back, and they really never made it as big as what they were. Were they big in New Jersey? Absolutely. Tina Turner, when everybody else's career was going down, she was able to reinvent herself. Uh, now, I never attended one of her concerts, but I watched them on TV back in the day, and it's like, wow, what an entertainer, what a performer uh, with her. Uh, with what she was doing, and she was able to reinvent herself. That was great and iconic music from the 1980s and early 1990s. Phenomenal uh, thing. And just goes to show you her, uh, the wonders of modern medicine. She had a uh, hypertension disorder that couldn't get resolved. She had high blood pressure, and it basically destroyed her kidneys, and she needed a double kidney transplant. And she got it, and she lived for many years after that. I mean, it's a testament. They're not mentioning what she died from, but it's a testament to modern technology and the uh, things that we have. It's wonderful. Uh, it's wonderful, the things that are going on here. So uh, rest in peace, Turna, Tina, and uh, I'll say this one. You are simply the best, better than all the rest of your generation there. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, 83 years old. Uh, some of the reports said 81, the earlier reports, so 83 uh, years old. Uh, one of the, well, I'll add this. I know I'm, I, I should be moving on with it. One of the uh, actresses in the movie that played her said that she couldn't keep up with the moves, uh, with the moves that this woman had, the dancing moves. We're going to go over to study finds here because there are some very interesting stories that came out over the last couple of days. Now you say, well, Jim, how does this relate to safety? You're going to love this one. So this was an article by Sophia Norton. Half of adults submit to pretending see messes to avoid cleaning them. How does that relate to safety? How about your safety audits that are out there? You have uh, people going out there doing safety audits, and they're, oh, I'm not going to see that. I'm going to see nothing. I know nothing. Pull Schultz on it. I see nothing. I know nothing. So they could avoid remediating or beating that hazard. Or, hey, that ain't nothing. Well, here you go at home. 90% of Americans say they get anxious about cleaning their room. And they procrastinate. They say, oh, I didn't see that mess. I'm going to leave it. You know, uh, you know, try pulling that crap with my wife. It ain't going to work. Well, she's going to, you know, uh, <laughs> why didn't you do that? Well, honey, I didn't see it. Yeah, you walked right past it. You know? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'll admit to doing this. Uh, now, here's another one. A third, 33%, are most likely to deep clean, disinfect, scrubbing, or cleaning hard-to-reach areas only before uh, hosting guests. 
26% only do it before a holiday, and 22% do it seasonally. That's spring cleaning. We're in the midst of a spring cleaning situation here in our beautiful Clarkstown, New York uh, facility. Uh, while deep cleaning your home can be an overwhelming task, there's a lot you can do to make the process more enjoyable. You know what my mother used to do? We used to have an old RCA, what they called a hi-fi, high-fidelity system, and she would play marching music on it because she liked marching music, okay? And dance music of her day, which was big band and everything else. That's how my mother used to clean. Maybe that makes it a little bit more enjoyable. And... Uh, it's a big thing. I mean, especially in the workplace, housekeeping. We mentioned Family Dollar having a situation here with house uh, uh, keeping up uh, more than one facility, getting whacked with close to $100,000 in fine with that one. Uh, just, especially nowadays, just buy what you need. This is what I tell everybody. Just buy what you need. If uh, you uh, it helps when you have a central procurement place if you can uh, do that. If you can justify what you need, you, there's no clutter. Then you don't have to store it. You don't have to worry about housekeeping or anything else. Uh, it helps in a facility. Maybe one day a week, you get people in there doing uh, no doing a cleanup. I was at one facility. I'm not going to mention the name where they had, uh, it was a facility where they had repeated shutdowns over the years. Every two or three years, they had a shutdown. They did a major maintenance activity. But there was a, a, a steel building uh, on site, a big one, and some, some other areas where, uh, you, where they put things, they put waste and things that they thought they could use later on and later turnarounds, and then people were in shutdowns, and people would go, and retire and forget the stuff was even there. So uh, what happened was, after about 30 or 40 years of this, they found crap all over the place. Amazing, I mean, stuff all over. I mean, they, uh, stuff and junk and garbage and you name it, it was all over the place. So what they ended up doing was assigning a group of four or five people all, so it was an operator with a backhoe, and it was uh, three or four laborers that went around and cleaned everything up. It took them years to clean everything up, but to their credit, the facility went and made sure everything was cleaned up. And there are things there that uh, they would never use that were obsolete. Uh, things got scrapped, and it was just junk laying around. Now, here's the other question. Is the... Uh, Hazardous materials. Companies do this all the time with hazardous materials. I can think of a couple of school districts in the early 1990s when I was doing uh, the early part of my career doing community right-to-know surveys where we had people out there. Uh, we had a couple of facilities, uh, Bridgewater Raritan School District in New Jersey being one of them, where they had kept on because of baseline budgeting where people had to go and uh, – uh, uh, had to go and uh, spend money. So because they didn't spend money, they lose in the next year's budget. They went out there and they just kept on buying more and more school supplies that they were never going to use. And they had loads of material there, loads that they were never going to get rid of. I've known of some other uh, outfits that do the same thing. They keep on buying more and more material, never getting rid of it because it's in the budget for buy new material. 
and they keep everything else. Well, we're going to use this on a sunny day, on a rainy day, and never gets used to it. Now, all of a sudden, you have hazardous materials, maybe in their decaying uh, uh, containers. Perhaps they are, the labels get damaged. You don't know what the hell they are. People retire, people move on. Now you got yourself a mess. I know one facility, it took seven years to get rid of all of their backlog of stuff that people bought and never used because it was stored safely. But what ended up happening was it was new products stored safely and expired and they couldn't use it in their process. But what happened is they couldn't, it's not like you could put it out in your garbage. It's not like you're going to say to all your employees, hey, bring this home to your home household hazardous waste day or anything like that and had to get rid of on site and, you know, in the proper way. It took them about six or seven years to get rid of all this stuff because they had to do it within the permit that they had and they were able to max out the permit. They didn't illegally dump it or anything like that. And took years to get rid of them. So what's the whole thing with this stuff? With any of this stuff, one of the keys to housekeeping is only buy what you need, right? Then it makes it easier. And keeping things orderly. And it's a constant thing at work to keep things orderly. Another one from Study Finds. Cases of depression in the United States reach an all-time high. The U.S. is in the midst of another Great Depression. Well, I'm going to say this much with this. I think we're being manipulated. Okay. What, what, what is what, so, uh, We didn't see these issues, or maybe they weren't recognized. They were there where they weren't recognized before social media. Everyone's, it's like everybody uh, wants to be depressed a lot of times. Now, are there real places of clinical depression? Yeah. Does everyone go through the blues? Yeah. But for this level of clinical depression, right, this study in study finds, and this is by Joyce and Solis Morera, 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 Solus were, I believe that's how it's pronounced. I apologize if I didn't get it right. 29% of adults living in the U.S. have been diagnosed with depression at some point in their life. Okay, great. A rate almost 10% higher than in 2015. Or is it being recognized more? Maybe. Is it being perpetuated more by the freaking cell phones and the other electronic media? Perhaps. Because you're comparing yourself to other people on this. You're being manipulated into this. I know of a couple of families with teenagers that had horrific situations happen. I mean, I'm not going to mention what they are because they're listeners here. Horrific situations because of social media. How's this impact? That's why... You maybe you want to limit you. Hey, I limit my uh, regardless of what Jay Allen says said this morning. I limit myself, right? You said it about me. I think in a joking way. I limit myself with the social media. There are some people that have an addiction to this stuff. At the end of my political career, I noticed that some people were involved in politics because they were addicted to 
the computer and the beginnings of social media back then and then when we were actually building actual websites, right, in the mid-2000s. And I would have, uh, my guess is maybe they're feeding an addiction here with all this stuff. It's not healthy. What I try to do is I pick two days a week. I don't go on the freaking computer and they're usually on the weekends or a holiday weekend. Something like that, one or two days. I don't even go on the computer. I, don't, I do nothing. I go outside and enjoy life. I, I pick a, dude, is that something you do? You stop doing this? Go out for a walk. Leave the phone at home. Leave the phone in the office. Go out in the parking lot. Go on a picnic. What have you? No, eat your lunch outside. Enjoy life. Uh, here is the James Webb Telescope. I, I think this is a pretty cool thing. Uh, this, again, off of study finds. Uh, the James Webb Space Telescope is giving us our own first look at a galaxy 12.5 billion light years away from Earth. The galaxy, known as GS9209, began forming some 800 million years after the Big Bang, making it the earliest galaxy discovered. Pretty cool on that one. So we covered AI last week on this program uh, with this. Uh, I've gotten some feedback on it. Some people like it. Some people didn't like it. I really don't care at this point because I, ha I you know, I try to make, you no, know, you have to follow the audience, what they're interested in, obvious, but you have to do what's interesting to you sometimes with this. And because, and then with my excitement, I tried to put it on to you. Could AI replace 911 or 911? All right. New tool outperforms human diagnosing stroke victims over the phone. Should artificial intelligence handle emergency calls from humans dialing 911? If you recall, last week we mentioned that uh, AI was able to diagnose pancreatic cancer years ahead of time. Should artificial intelligence handle emergency calls? Uh, from humans dialing 911, a new new AI is making the case showing it is capable of diagnosing the signs of a stroke over the phone. This is from study finds, uh, and the case is from Munich, Germany, or München, Germany, if uh, that's my home, my grandfather's hometown in Germany. Uh, scientists from Denmark say the results suggest it performs better than human emergency call handlers at determining if someone is in serious medical trouble. The implementation of this new cost-effective tool can enhance stroke identification by handlers. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, I know, I think, how's this? I think this coupled with other technology, for example, there was uh, years ago, I was reading articles where people were actually able to analyze people's breath and determine not only what they had for lunch, uh, not only that they had poor dental health, but also that they had uh, other things going on in their body, including cancer or other illnesses. So I wonder how this could be, uh, how this could be, uh, no, uh, mated this information. So what did they use? They use uh, stroke registry and 7,000 stroke-related medical calls uh, between 15, 2015 and 2020. So uh, this was like a big, deal here okay uh, da, da, da. 
So uh, right now, I'm sorry for preempting Governor DeSantis, uh, DeSantis's uh, uh, presidential campaign launch uh, with uh, Elon uh, with uh, Elon Musk today. But oh well, too tough, right? Uh, so I mean that jokingly. But a couple of weeks ago, um, about a month ago, I went over what goes into a presidential campaign. Go and look it up. Any of these people declaring their candidacy, you have to know. The question is, can they get on the ballot in all the states that they plan on running in? And if the answer is no, you got to think twice about supporting them. Now, are there reasons to support people if, uh, you know, you know that they're not going to win? Yeah, there are. Because what happens is you're able to spread your message a lot easier if you have a political message, if you are a political candidate. Case in point, uh, when I ran for office, that inspired, and this is not Jimmy uh, for the ego boost, but there were a lot of people who ran at the same time I did, and we were credited uh, by a lot of people as inspiring them to run for office also. And you know, spreading the word. Uh, if you're Joe Blow on the street, and, you, and you're starting to raise issues, guess what? They're going to say, well, this is a blowhard Joe Blow. Why don't you run for office? If you go out there and you say, hey, I'm running for office, I'm running for office, and this is what I want to support, they'll be like, well, you'll never win, but I like your ideas, and you get to spread your ideas out there. Uh, with that, there were a couple of, oh, the name escapes me now. Uh So uh, it was uh, the guy who litigated the Scopes uh, Monty Monkey trial, right? There was John T. Scopes, right? And you had, uh, da -da -da, hold on, what was his name? The famous, uh, do -do -do, William Jennings Ryan, all right? So William Jennings Ryan was a perennial candidate for president, from what I recall, if I'm remembering the correct person. And people said to him, how come you keep on running for president? You're never going to win. He said, because when I go out there with my ideas, they get spread. Well, not a direct quote. They get spread. And my ideas keep on getting uh, implemented. So that's a uh, reason why you have that uh, out there. So the other thing is this, with the way, and, and I'll add a little bit of commentary here, uh, that might seem a little bit partisan is that right now Donald Trump is leading in all the Republican primary polls with all his legal issues. There's an argument that's being made out there that maybe if he drops out of the race, now it's not a complete loss because you're going to have other people that are going to be on the ballot. That's one of the arguments out there from a logistic. I'm giving you a little bit of inside baseball there, uh, but that's uh, what one of the arguments is. Here we have, uh, no, that's not it. Uh, no, I don't want to talk about that. Here we have one from uh, the Sun, the U.S. Sun uh, newspaper, and this is from this afternoon. This shocking moment, a mass brawl broke out in an airport as travelers threw punches and yanked on each other's hair. So this was, uh, cap they, someone captured a video at the baggage claim at 
inside Chicago's O'Hare International Airport on Monday night. And let's see what the story is here. The wild video has now made its rounds on social media and shows the huge fight that broke out between around a dozen people. People in Chicago Airport's Terminal 3 can be seen yanking hair, throwing punches, and jumping on the backs of other travelers. The chaos was reportedly sparked by an argument between some passengers around 11 p.m. Well, 11 p.m., nothing nice happens at airports if you're on a trap baggage claim. Believe me, we've seen some things. You had a, a big group of travelers pushing each other to the ground. One people, people hair being pulled. Uh, a group of men then jumped out onto the baggage carousel where they punched and kicked each other while others tackled one another to the ground. Uh, what was it? Uh, what was it? With this. They were throwing shoes, travel pillows, everything else. I mean, it's a, a huge thing. Now, uh, with all this violence going on, um, Chicago police confirmed in a statement that a man and a woman were arrested and charged in connection with the huge f- fight. And uh, both of the people were from Illinois. Uh, what happened was a verbal dispute while deplaning escalated in a lower level of terminal three when a 24-year-old female victim was punched by two offenders. And I tell you what, I'm going to say this. Are you freaking crazy? I'm looking at the camera here. Are you freaking crazy starting a problem in an airport? Now, this is the place where they have signs that say, do not joke around about anything. I've been in Air Force. Don't make jokes when you're at the security thing. Meaning, you know, you don't want to threaten that you're, you have some uh, forbidden material or device on your contraband. Or, you know, you're going to do something. Like that poor fellow who said he was going to do something in the, uh, in the Home Depot bathroom and he warned, warned everybody. And then all of a sudden, they, you know, a SWAT team shows up, right? That, mean, that he was going to do something in there and that was going to blow the place up, you know? And uh, you don't want to be that person, believe me. This is a little bit of a different uh, approach. This was in Texas. Texas lawmakers, this is from the Washington Post, the Texas lawmakers approve a bill to allow school districts to replace counselors with chaplains. This came out this afternoon. So uh, this went through the Texas House of Republicans. Uh, I'm Republican. <laughs> what a malpropism there. The Texas House of Representatives, Wednesday, gave final approval to a bill to allow certain chaplains in public schools, including to replace professional counselors. The last step before the measure is signed into law. And uh, some people are saying that uh, this is in line with a recent Supreme Court ruling that allowed coaches to pray with their uh, uh, players and their athletes. I don't know. I have mixed feelings on this. We allowed ta- uh, chaplains into prisons, and that's another institution. Some would argue that the uh, some would argue that schools are an institution, right? And uh, you know that sort of thing. Uh, one institution or another. <laughs> but anyway, they uh, the Senate also passed a bill to allow districts to require schools to set aside time for staffs, staff and students to pray and read religious texts a second uh, bill to allow public employees to engage in religious prayer and speech. This sounds like, 
I always used to hear, especially when I was in politics, uh, oh, well, the, back in the day, the good old days where they had prayer in school and they had this and that. And I always point out, okay, it was great having prayer in the school. I grew up, right, from the seventh grade on, or prayer in school every day. I went to Lutheran grammar school and a Catholic high school. So, uh, yeah, what a mix there, right? Uh, and there was prayer every day. I don't think it was negative, but we were in a religious context all day, right? And the public school, you're not, you know, you're, uh, this may or may not be a good idea because guess what? Okay, a religious. Let's say your religion is uh, a religion uh, that promotes violence. And that's your religion. Promotes hatred, promotes bigotry. Do you want those people praying with your kids? And you say, well, Jim, that's an extremist point of view. Uh, the denomination I belong to tries to stay out of this. Where if you're going to follow a strict interpretation, uh, we're not even, uh, you know, there's no ecumenical uh, uh, ecumenicalism is only allowed with other churches that we're in communion with. So there is nothing because of these issues here and maybe that's this may not be a good idea on a certain level. That being said, if your child requires some type of religious uh, instruction or religious counseling, I think that's a uh, that might be better. Uh, maybe the school could allow a venue for it, right, with a parent's input and permission. But I don't know if that's a good idea if you're going to allow uh, people uh, of different religious backgrounds to pray, uh, pray, and uh, if it's forced, if it's organic, that's one thing. But if it's forced, uh, you know, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Chicago monkeypox. Now we're not allowed to call it monkeypox. It's called mpox, but I'm going to call it monkeypox. Outbreak raises alarm over summer spread. Uh, so uh, a, a cluster of monkeypox cases in the Chicago area has spurred concerns of a resurgence this summer, mere months after the end of public health emergency for the outbreak that began last year. Uh, there is, uh, There was monkeypox in my neighborhood, I know. Uh, but, uh, there is a, uh, right. The world health organization said it's no longer a global health emergency monkeypox. Uh, however, uh, they're expecting another surge, but it's treatable. Uh, it's, it's treatable and there's a complete vaccination, uh, uh schedule with this and it's not, uh, no, if they're going to let it, uh, uh, and they're going to let, if you let it run its course, it's a very painful thing. But anyway, see your medical provider before you seek any medical attention or vaccinations and see what they say. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. Right. And yes. Okay. I tell you what I'll, I'll say Jim should not give medical advice. I use that one for the umpires at the baseball games. So. Cancun is banning narco concerts as violence source. Performance by El Commandir, Group Ferme, El Millionaro, Alamen, uh, were recently canceled in the tourist resort in an attempt to discourage drug-related violence. 
Crime continues to surge in the popular Mexican tourist resort city of Cancun. The local government declared that it will no longer allow concerts by some of the musicians because they cause they promote violence. Uh, let's see. And going on. And they mentioned some songs that I'm not familiar with. I, you know, this is what I, uh, what I, I do. I do not listen to foreign language. This is one of my things, foreign language, uh, music, unless I absolutely know what the words are. You're going to say, Jimmy, what do you mean? <laughs> Again, another story. I was in Poland in 1993, August. And I went uh, to the farm where my grandmother grew up. There's no longer a farm anymore. And my grandmother was with us, and she enjoyed herself thoroughly. And I was there with, got to meet my cousins and their extended family. Uh, I've kept up with one cousin. Uh, uh, I, I got two or three uh, Zoom calls a year with him, uh, Andre. And uh, I'm out there on the farm. And uh, my relatives, are, Andre wasn't doing this because he's now a English teacher in Poland and he speaks better English than I do. And uh, then he spoke better English than I do. And uh, he ended up, uh, we're out there, uh, no, he was with us. So I'm out there on the farm and they're playing, again, they buy cassettes, cassette tapes in uh uh, they get my cassette tapes in, uh, uh, no, from, uh, open air markets and they're, no, they're bootlegged and they're overdubbed and everything. And they're playing cassettes and they were playing a song. I'm not even going to mention the, you know, somewhat of a family show. I use a little bit of profanity, but profanity, but it was shameful. I mean, shameful what they were saying on there. I wouldn't be embarrassed. Even by 2023 standards, it was embarrassing what was on there. And uh, they, I, you know, that I said, well, I said to him, I said to my mother, and because I don't speak Polish, believe it or not, uh, it's a Polish thing where, you know, Polish children don't speak Polish in the United States. Uh, and I said to my, and my mom, with her hearing issues, she can barely make the, and I said, she, so she can't hear the music. My father is like, well, no, this is bizarre, you know. Uh, and I said to uh, them, I said, Mom, can you ask them if they know what they're saying on that song? And he said, and she said, I asked them. They said, well, they don't know what it means. They just like the beat. And I said, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one with my mother translating with different things here. No, 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 no. Uh, but anyway, safety wars is streaming now. All right. Uh, some war news here. Things I, I tell you, I got three things here, right? On war news, uh, here and here, here you go with war news. This shit's ex escalating. This is escalating here. You gotta be kidding me. Cooler heads have got to prevail here with this. Uh, that is the bottom line. I mean, 
Uh, we had uh, uh, there uh, with the ammo depot blown up. Uh, there were reports that the radiation levels and uh, the ambient uh, ambient uh, radiation levels, and I'm got to check on this. And Ukraine are going through the roof. So uh, I don't know. We gotta. I don't know what the answer is here, other than uh, we have to. Uh, there has to be cooler heads that prevail with all this stuff. Uh, otherwise, they're going to have World War III here. Some would argue, and there's an argument, maybe we're already in World War III. Uh, this is not, this is not a, this is not a, 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 a I don't see this uh, uh, ending in a good way. Right, wars never end up in a good way for anybody, even the people who win it. COVID uh, still kills one person every four minutes, despite the global emergency being officially over as of May 11th of this year. So uh, still out there. All right. So I hope to be on the air tomorrow. Uh, we're going to uh, do the uh, outro here. And... I want to thank everybody to con that's continuing to listen who's sticking with me. Uh, I didn't really go into too deep a lot of the stuff here. Uh, tonight, I'm hoping to do more stuff uh, later on this week, possibly Friday, was uh, into some real deep uh, dives into things. But anyway, I will see you when I see you. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.